You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast.
And we understand that Jesus has a dream. But within the dream, there is a dream. And I want you today to, to, to ask yourself if you have a dream within the dream. If you are asking and imagining. Because if you're not asking, if you're not imagining, God cannot do immeasurably more than what you ask or imagine. So he puts the onus on us to come up with a plan. He puts the onus on us to come up with a dream. Dare we say a dream within a dream? In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, the Bible says, where there is no revelation, or in other translations, where there is no vision, the people perish. Here it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. In other words, when there is no dream in someone's life, there is no reason to have restraint. There is no reason to be disciplined. That There is no reason to be motivated. Because you have nothing you're motivated for other than the day, the next day, and the next day. I love when I meet someone, and you know I've been reaching out to several individuals, and one man says, it's just, just another day. Often the words of someone who has no vision, who has no dream, it's just another day. That's not the case if you're chasing a dream. Do we have any dream chasers that are here? Yes. I pray that we are dream chasers and not dream killers. Uh, Jesus was an incredible dream chaser. And if there's one thing that really highlights something we see in the Old Testament that we even can see in the 21st century, it, it's called the sin of forgetting. It was great going to L.A. and being around all the disciples and being around all the leaders and getting some great discipling and talking and inspiring uh, lessons and all that. That was great. And if you've been around for a while, sometimes you hear the lessons and you're looking for, for what God has got to say to you. You've not heard that before. Okay, yeah, I got it. I'm at, and, and, and you're wondering what, what God's got to say to you. I pray today you come wondering what the Holy Spirit, what God's got to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was listening, I was okay, I got challenged on that point, challenged on that point. We had a discipleship group. Uh, and that's where we confess our sins. It's awesome to confess your sins. Uh, it's good to be in a safe place where you can confess your sins. Confess our sins, got open, and that was great. And, and, and it was almost the end of our retreat there, and I, and I started feeling like, yes, God is speaking to me. Yes, there are things that we need to do, and we need to do better. But, but it wasn't, you know, it's one of those ones like, what is the message for me? Yeah. Not kind of this overall, overarching challenge for everybody. No, what has God got to say to me? What has he got to say to me? And it's at our International College of Christian Ministry. Of course, it's the university that we've started that's based on the European grading system. That's pretty awesome. Uh, where I was able to see a bunch of young people and hear a message I've heard several times. And it's going to be the message we have today. But it cut me to tears. Because I realized that it wasn't that I didn't know the message that was spoken. It wasn't that I didn't believe in the message that was spoken. The issue was I forgot it. You said, well, what was it? It was the dream. Amen. I literally forgot that the reason I became a Christian wasn't just because I love God. Wasn't just because I hated the world and where I was at in life. It was because Jesus had a dream for me. Yes. And I wanted to follow that dream. That Jesus had a, had a special plan for my life. A dream. And that within that dream, I needed to begin dreaming. To find my dreams within Jesus' dream. Amen. And when you stop following the dream, you cast off restraint. You lose vision. Yeah. And let me tell you something. You can begin to start living by the law. Yeah. 
I think God was trying to prepare me that, you know, Michael, you, you, you kind of, Moses is dead. You remember that lesson, right? Yeah. We've got to move on to Joshua. We can't just be following the law, being here because you got to do it. Moses got that. So I, I, I go, wow, I got to come. I got I to gotta recommit myself to the dream. The dream of evangelizing the nations in one generation. Yeah. Science has said some things about dreams. Research has discovered that people deprived of entering into what's called REM sleep, basically the dream phase of sleep, they displayed the symptoms of irritability, anger, and anxiety. So people who don't dream are irritable. They're anxious. They cannot settle down. In one dream study, researchers repeatedly woke up volunteers just before they entered the dream state of sleep, and they did it throughout the night. And it says the volunteers slept the same amount of time as they normally did. They just didn't dream. The next day, uh, the volunteers were disoriented, depressed, grouchy, short-tempered, and totally confused. As the study continued night after night, the subjects became more agitated, more irritated, and researchers concluded that dreaming recharges your mind and revitalizes your whole body physically. They determined that dreaming is actually necessary. Are you dreaming today? A person with great dreams can achieve great things. This is one sports psychologist. He goes into detail. He says, despite the claim that a person with great dreams can do great things, uh, there's an article uh, th that describes British culture uh, as the anti-ethical culture to dreaming. He says this, us Brits are so often discouraged from dreaming as we often value logic and rationality above spirituality and creativity. Our common language describes, uh, our common language describes a dreamer as someone that has big ideas, but that never truly delivers. Right. And he goes on and on and on and on to say, if you do have a dream as a Brit, it will not take long before someone criticizes you for having ideas above your station. He goes into detail in this, this whole article called The Importance of Dreams, Resonance Performance Model. Unfortunately, you read the, the article, I just thought, wow, that is the culture that we are part of. Where if you do have a dream, not everybody is so quote unquote fired up about it. Yeah. And yet we know that we've got to put our, our calling above our culture. And we've got to begin dreaming. Are you dreaming? Do you have a dream? You know, my dream is pretty simple. Um, I want to see 10,000 sold out disciples in Wembley Stadium. Amen. You know, I, I, I want to see 10,000 disciples. I like Manchester United, but not really. I like Chelsea, but I really don't care. I like all the football clubs, but, but, but I, I really could care less. I'm reminded of my first time here where I was told to stop being so passionate. This is an American thing. Us Brits are rational. Why do you have to be so loud? Do you have anything compelling to say? On top of that, we're not very religious here. I say you're lying. You're very religious. You pay a tithe. You paint your face. And you get super fired up. You even sing songs. You know, what are you talking about? I'm talking about football matches. Yeah. No. This is a very religious country. Very religious country. A country willing to sacrifice. This is a very, 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 very sacrificial part of the world. And a part of the world that has great dreams. And my dream is to see 10,000. You know, of course, you see all the incredible football shows and you see how people get excited, the colors. You see Anthony Joshua come out in the fire and all of that. That's my dream. 
I want to come out in a fire blazing <laughs> and I walk down that stage and I lay out what it means to be a Christian. As it is in Jesus' dream. And 10,000, 10,000 stand up and they're just like, this is awesome. And we don't even have enough time to deal with baptism because we got to have a whole other day to baptize because there's so many people. We can't just have 20 or 30. We got to take a day of baptism. I just was like, wow, what are they awesome day is we have a welcome, a prayer, and then a day of baptisms. We just baptizing people, baptizing people, white people, black people, big people, small people, tall people, ugly people, pretty people. The ugly people, most of the brothers right there. You don't have any other sisters right there. So. Ugly brother after, ugly brother after, ugly brother. You know, I was like, man, look at that brother. He's ugly, but now he's looking good because he got baptized. Another baptism, another baptism. It's like, awesome. Look at these people coming. Look at these families coming together. Look at people putting down their anger. Look at people getting rid of their bitterness. Look at the women that were sexually abused going, I am free. Look at the women that, that, that gave in to selfishness and said, I don't want to have a child. I'm not, no, I gave, I gave it to murder. Look at these women confessing publicly wicked deeds. Look at these men. Look at the men who struggle with pedophilia, being des desiring children, openly confessing, finding a safe place where they can talk about it. And finding a family that can heal them. And then even being given a dream. Wow. That's, that would be incredible. And yet, with that dream, I realized I, I, I forgot my dream. I forgot that the reason I'm in this is because I'm a dreamer. If you're here today, you're a dreamer. You say, well, I don't have a dream. Don't worry about it. You know what the Bible teaches that oftentimes when you don't have a dream, God will put you in the path of a dreamer. Yeah. And it's that dreamer that will inspire you with his dream, and you can find a dream within the dream. Amen. So it doesn't matter if you have a dream today. I have a dream. Amen. Jesus has a dream. And I want to inspire you to have a dream. Amen? I looked up the 10 greatest dreamers that changed the world. The first one that was listed was uh, Dr. Frederick Banting. He discovered insulin. Uh, and he actually discovered insulin in a dream. He won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. Yeah, he, he was thinking about it in a dream, and then, of course, then it led to a study and everything, and he was given the Nobel Peace Prize. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Paul McCartney is praised for uh, the song Yesterday. I don't know if any Paul McCartney fans are in the house. Uh, I didn't know that that song came to him in a dream. He actually thought of it in a dream and then uh, put the uh, pen to paper and wrote that song. Of course, we understand that Martin Luther King had a dream that all men would be created equal. And uh, what an amazing, one of my favorites, probably, arguably the greatest Americans who ever lived. Right. To, to preach a lesson of nonviolence and to die for his dream. You don't really believe something unless you're willing to die for it. And you have nothing to live for unless you have something to die for. Yeah. I think about, uh, from a sporting perspective, from my own perspective, I like Michael Jordan. Uh, he was blocked from being in uh, high school basketball. Uh, because they said he just wasn't tall enough. I don't know if anyone knows that. Uh, they tried to block his dream. Uh, I think about the Wright brothers. They were called the wrong brothers. <laughs> you know, they had a bicycle little situation. They're riding bicycle. They saw a bird flying. and go, can't humans do the same thing? We want to fly. And they were actually called insane for trying to develop the plane. You know, sometimes you may be called insane for your dream. And yet, of course, we understand that we wouldn't be able to travel without the right brothers. Yeah. And it's awesome when you have God's dream, you're with the right brothers. Amen. I think about Steve Jobs. 
regarded as one of the greatest inventors in history uh, through technology. Uh, I think about Thomas Edison, he was on the list. He created the light bulb. Uh, he has a dream, uh, of course, to uh, bring light to the entire world. And I thought, wow, these, these dreamers are incredible. What, what saddened me is Jesus didn't make the list. History doesn't record Jesus as one of the greatest dreamers. That's how, that's how much of a nightmare the world is in. They don't even see the greatest dreamer, the dreamer that changed the world. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. This is a, a good scripture because it helps us to understand that God uses dreams. God wants to get our life out of park and get it in the drive. I pray you're not in the park this morning. And I pray you're not stuck in reverse. You got to get out of reverse and start dreaming, start going forward. But in Matthew chapter 27, I love this text. It says, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. He says, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. You know, God warns us before he judges us. And so this obviously was God getting ready to judge Pilate, but he gave him a warning. And today, God really does want to warn you before he judges you to get yourself a dream. And if you don't have a dream, don't worry. Jesus has a dream for you. Point number one, Jesus was driven by a dream. Luke chapter four. Jesus was driven by a dream. Luke chapter four. Dreams are incredible. They'll make you grow. Growth is a part of being in God's movement. Because if you're not growing, you're, not, you're, you're, you're dying. Yeah. And as we read earlier, you know, without any dreams, then we perish. You know, I was even looking up from a natural perspective, you know, even, even something uh, as small as uh, the, the animal, the fish, the shark. You put a shark, they say you put a shark in a regular fish tank, and it will grow to be as large as it can be in a fish tank. Wow. But if you put a shark in an ocean, it will grow to be the size of a shark. Why? Because the conditions dictate growth. Wow. Your conditions dictate growth. If you're around a bunch of people that are dream killers, around a bunch of people that don't have a dream, it may limit you from being a dreamer. Yeah. Are you with me here? Yeah. And this is what Jesus wants to do. He, he was driven by a dream. Yeah. Sometimes we've got to get out of the limitations of our mind. Right. Our mind is a fish tank. We see ourselves here and God goes, no, 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 no. You are a seed of hope for an entire nation. You are a seed of hope for an entire country. You are the couple of little beautiful flowers that I want to bloom. I want to make a huge garden of faith in all of England. And I want to start with two ginger flowers here. Come on. I didn't mean anything by that. Let's look at the word of God. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Check this out out here. You with me, Luke? I mean, you with me, guys? Okay, Luke chapter 4. Here we go. Luke 14 slips here. Okay, verse 16. Check this out. It says, uh, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. you got to understand, remember, scrolls were, scrolls were about 30 feet long. This isn't like the Bible or what you can look at on your, your iPhone. 
He says, it says the scroll was handed to him, and he starts reading it. It says, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So Jesus rolls out this whole scroll. Wow. Right there. And he finds the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointing me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He's talking to religious people, guys. And he's saying, he sent me to proclaim freedom for all the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. I mean, Jesus just reads this scripture and he sits down. That's a pretty awesome sermon right there, right? This is going on. He sits down. No clothes, no poem, none of that. He just gets right to it. It says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, this was an Old Testament prophecy that had been predicted for years. And Jesus says, I've come to fulfill this scripture in your hearing. I've come to be a living example of this scripture in your hearing. I believe all Christians should have this mentality. That when you meet someone, you say, today, this scripture in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to get there, is being fulfilled in your hearing. I am a disciple. I am a Christian. I have come to give you a dream. I'm not coming to ask you if you have the same dream I have, and maybe we can just kind of get unified together. No, no, no. I have a dream, and I want to give you the dream of Jesus. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. When I was given the dream, I, I, I did not question whether everybody else had it. Maybe you got it. Maybe no, no, no. I knew nobody else had the dream of Jesus, but I knew he'd given it to me. And that was a confidence in me to go to people and go, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Check this out. Find out how they feel about him. It says in verse 22, Paul spoke well of him. They were amazed at his gracious words and it came, and that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? Oh, that's so cute. They asked. <laughs> Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what you've heard, what we've heard you've done in Capernaum. I tell you the truth. He continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. The sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Jesus is saying, this is, he, he starts quoting a time where people did not want to obey the word of God. And he says in verse 27, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah, the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, except Naaman the Syrian, who was a Gentile. Okay, Naaman the Syrian was a Gentile. Jesus is talking to the Jews. And he says, hey, there was a time where the only one you could give the dream to were people that did not have a religious background. Gentiles. And this is to a religious group of people that think they already have the dream. <laughs> they think they're already right. They think they're okay. What happens when he <laughs> says this? He says all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus is awesome, is he not? I mean, it's like the Terminator right here, but it's like Jesus. They want to kill him. It's awesome they want to be killed. That's amazing. You know, this is very intense. 
And it's not intense at the end, right before we get to the cross. See, I think a lot of people, myself included, the first time I came in contact with Jesus, the first time I came in contact with his ministry, I'd been poisoned by movies and TV shows that kind of made this, this, this made me feel as if Jesus, over the course of time, as he preached, got more radical and more radical and more radical, and then by the time he gets to the cross, he gets really radical. Yeah. That's not how it began. Jesus began his ministry radical. First sermon, they want to kill him. Death threat. First message, people want to kill him. Why? Jesus was saying, hey, I'm not just come for the Jews. I've come for the Gentiles as well. I'm, I'm come for everybody. I'm coming for everybody. And this dream was a radical dream. This was an insult to the Jews because he was, one, saying they were lost, and two, he was equating them with the Gentiles. And he was even saying, hey, there was a time when only the Gentiles got saved. Meaning, hey, God, the Messiah, is only going to go for them. And if we're in the room today, we're excited because we, I don't see very many Jews. If you are Jewish, then amen. <laughs> Jesus talked about from a spiritual standpoint. But if you're Gentile, that means you're not Jewish. And so this is exciting for all of us. Because I think a bunch of Gentiles are in the room. I'm glad we can be saved. I'm glad we can be saved. And they want to kill it. Why? They were dream killers. They were dream killers. And yet Jesus dies physically, but his dream lives today. So you can dream, you can kill the dreamer, you just cannot kill the dream. Right. You can try, you know. God has been teaching me that all week. You know, I, I lost my phone the other day, <laughs> and uh, I, I've been trying to find this thing like crazy, and, and then finally I found it, and it was beat up, sitting on the side of the road, beat up, killed, and everything, but it's, it's still alive right there. Wow. Okay, God is telling me, right, you can beat me up, but you cannot kill me. And so I, I still got it. Even today, this morning, a couple people saw me giving a hug and knocked the Bible out. Okay, you can beat the Bible up, but you cannot kill the dream. Amen. The dream is not going to die. I will not let it die. Amen. And I pray you don't let it die. No. I also pray you're not a dream killer. No. Pray you're not a negative thinker. Mm. What is your dream? What is your dream for yourself? What is your dream for the London International Christian Church? What is your dream for your Bible talk? What is your dream? What is your dream for London? Do you have a dream? Where there is no vision, the people perish. You could be dying spiritually within Jesus' dream because you have not decided to have a dream. And yet Jesus will turn to others that are willing to not only embrace his dream, but to dream within the dream. Are you with me here? Yeah. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I want to inspire you to dream. We've got to be a bunch of dreamers in this room for things that are outside of our depth that we want God to do in a radical way. Yes. I'm talking dreams that people laugh at and they go, oh, you're right. Are you, are you kidding me? We've got to be dreamers. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7, it says in verse 30, it says all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, they acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John, do you believe God's way is right? Yes. Yeah. Don't sound very convincing. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. God's way is right. Yes. I believe that. Yes. It says, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. The Bible teaches when you reject Jesus' dream, you're rejecting God's purpose for your life. Oh, yeah. If you come today and Jesus wants to give you the dream, don't reject God's purpose. Don't reject God's purpose for your life. 
I remember when someone gave me the dream, I rejected God's purpose for my life. And my life got worse. They didn't try to give it to me again, and I rejected it again. They didn't try to give it to me again, and I rejected it again. A year and a half of rejecting the dream of God. I even became a, I became an imposter. I was a professional visitor. I would come to church. I didn't bring people to church. And I was, you know, I was excited. I sat in the back, and I tried to pretend like the Christians, and I clapped. I even knew the words of the songs and everything. I had just never been baptized. Why? Because I knew that Jesus' dream meant I'd have to crush my dream. See, we think the kingdom of God is built on everyone's dreams, but they are not built on your dreams unless they're in line with the will of God. You only can dream within the dream in line with the word of God, in line with the will of God. But see, I had a dream outside of the will of God, outside of the word of God. And guess what? I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. And because of that, I realized that I'd have to crush my dream in order to fulfill God's dream. And finally, what happened? is not only did God crush my dream, he had to crush me first. I lost everything, lost it all. $9,000, caught being unfaithful, arrested, went to jail, never been jailed for, went to jail, sitting in jail going, oh my goodness, can I believe that Jesus, this is a nightmare. I want to dream of Jesus. You know, sometimes God has to crush you before you're humble enough to be willing to be taught. You think that's just becoming a disciple? That has to happen even as a disciple sometimes. Sometimes you just need to be crushed Brought all the way back down to the beginning so you can actually begin to accept God's purpose for your life once more. Again, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. You know what's radical about Jesus in this particular text we're getting ready to read? What's radical is it says in verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting them into the lake where they were fishermen. How'd you like to be the only person on the face of the earth with the dream to change the world. Jesus does not have 35 other individuals he can go have a prayer about the dream to change all of the world. Jesus doesn't have parents that are going to support him. Jesus doesn't have uni classmates that feel like what he's doing is the right thing. Jesus doesn't have a culture that dictated that, hey, this is exactly what you No, Jesus is the only man by himself with a radical dream. He had nobody to talk to but his father and yeah. And yet, he was that driven by a dream. Yeah. We've got to be driven by Jesus' dream. It says, as he walked by the sea, he says, come follow me. Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. We know they were fired up. Because yeah. yeah. they did it at once. Yeah. We know that when you don't do we can tell when you're not fired up about something. Yeah. You don't do it right away. That's the reason why they, they, they have these things that placate our lack of uh, discipline and vision called alarm clocks. Oh. Who's inspired by alarm clocks? No, they even, they, even, they even help you in your laziness by coming up with the snooze alarm. Yeah. They go, oh, you're not really denying to get up. Just get a snooze alarm right there. You hit snooze and it hit. How many of you want? Five minutes of snooze, 10 minutes of snooze, 15 minutes of snooze. You can change, you can dictate how lazy you want to be. You can control it all. You can go, okay, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock, but let me actually push that 5 530. 5.30. Oh, let me snooze for another 25 minutes. Ding. Now you're almost about six. Let me get on a five minute. Ding. Now you're at six or five. No, 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 about thirty minutes. Six thirty. Oh, I accidentally fell asleep for another thirty minutes. Before you know, you get up, it's eight o'clock, and life is speeding past you. And then you get up and you feel great about it. 
And you say, wow, where'd the time go? Yeah. You were sleeping yeah. through the revolution you were supposed to be a part of. You know, a lot of people are sleeping through a revolution. Yes. And we're in the midst of a sexual re revolution. There's a lot of people dreaming to change the world. Yeah. They want to change the world with sex. Yeah. They want to change what it means to be a man. Yeah. They want to change what it means to be a woman. Yeah. They want to change what it means to be right. They want to change what it means to be wrong. They want to change what it means to be a Christian. They want to change what it means to be a, a father. They want to say if you are a man and you are opinionated and you are strong and you stand by your convictions, you're an alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> well, last time I checked, Jesus is the alpha yeah. and the omega. Yeah. I think it's awesome to be an alpha male. Yeah. And it's sad that that's controversial nowadays. Yeah. That's controversial yeah. to say you're an alpha male. Yeah. That means you're, well, you're like this. <laughs> there are people that want to change the world to say that feminism is the way women need to you, your 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 dream is the same as a man. They're trying to they're, they're trying to change the world. They're driven by a dream. We've got to be driven by Jesus' dream. Yeah, amen. He is the, he's the only guy who's so convicted about the only person with the dream. Yeah. He could have given him discouragement, sadness, been down, but he did not reject yeah. the dream. He was driven by a dream. Yeah. And his plan was to give that dream. I, I can't help but think of our brother Kim. Mm -hmm. Driven by a dream. Mm -hmm. In a dead church. Did not see the passion in the church, but saw the passion in the scriptures. Yeah. You know, life is about perspective. Yeah. He, he was in a church that taught doctrinally the right thing, but he just didn't see it in the lives of the Christians. And so that, that drift drove him to the scriptures. And I, I'll never forget our, our, first, our first movement started. 60 individuals that were going to change the world and say, hey, we are going to change the entire world with the gospel, mm -hmm. preaching accurately what it means to be a disciple. It was only 60 people. It was about, about as many people here. But when, 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 when Kemp said, hey, we're going to be totally committed, as Jesus called for total commitment to be willing to give up everything, we're going to be totally committed. You know what happened when all 60 heard that? When they heard the price of the dream, 30 of them left. 30 of them left. And so only 30 people began our former fellowship. What happened? In 1979, uh, this was the beginning of what we would call, in our former fellowship, the Boston Movement, 30 disciples in a living room in America. They said, we're going to change the world. Kip Malena. By 1982, they planted uh, the Chicago church with the Fuquays. By 1982, later that year, they planted the Great London Church yeah. right here. Doug, yeah. Doug Arthur, right in the 80s, we planted. We did what we're doing back in the 80s right here. In 1983, they planted New York City with the Johnsons. 1984, the Bears and the Gimples began to serve as elders, uh, and they were uh, they were appointed as elders in the Boston Church. And then in 1985, they planted the Toronto Church, and then Boston reached a thousand in attendance. Five churches in three different nations. By 1986, we went to Johannesburg. Uh, then we planted Paris with the Kims. Then we did we went to Stockholm, and then we reconstructed the church in Kingston, Jamaica, yes, in 1986. Michael remembers those things. Then, in 1987, a remnant gathered, a, a bunch of survivors. That's what the word remnant means. And then we reconstructed several churches. San Francisco was reconstructed. Atlanta, San Diego, Mexico City was planted by the Lambs. Hong Kong was planted by Scott Green. Uh, then we planted Bombay in 1987. 1988, the world secular leaders were chosen from a bunch of, uh, bunch of couples of uh, in Atlanta disciples. Uh, we reconstructed 
several churches. We re reconstructed Tokyo. Uh, and contrary to popular opinion, uh, the first church we planted that was a little bit further north was not Berlin. It was Munich, Germany. Randy and Kay planted Munich, Germany before we did anything in Berlin. Wow. Maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to repeat itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Then we planted Cairo in 1988. 1989, the World Sector Administration was chosen, and Boston sent out seven church plantings. They sent out LA, Miami, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Honolulu. Kind of struggled to be on the Honolulu mission team right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> struggle eating all this good food and sunlight all day long. <laughs> Manila, Bangkok were planted. In 1990, Kip and Elena moved to L.A. By 1991, Moscow Church was planted, and it was the 100th church planting. They actually had a project back then called the uh, RD1, Red Dragon 1. That was one of our, 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 you know, our rallying cries, the Red Dragon 1. Uh, and the first church that was planted was in mainland China. Uh, and then the Gimples were chosen to lead uh, Hope Worldwide, uh, different than we have now, which is Mercy Worldwide. 1992 was the first fifth generation Boston uh, church plant, or church planting, was the first fifth generation church planting, Boston uh, to London, to Sydney, to Auckland, to Fiji. Uh, and it was incredible, because uh, two years after that, we would be called the International Churches of Christ. Uh, in 1996, or 95, we planted Baghdad. In 1996, LA broke 10,000 disciples. Wow. 10,000, from 79 to 96, 10,000, not visitors, Disciples. Yeah. By 1997, Hong Kong uh, returns to mainland rule, and world sectors, world sector leaders were, were um, finally kind of sectorized and put into their their own sectors. And so, basically, and I'm not even going through all the history. In 18, what happened in 18 years? From a living room to 18, from 1979 in 18 years, one church became 312 churches. One nation became 124 nations. 30 would-be disciples would come. 150,000 disciples on a Sunday. Wow. 36 churches with an attendance of over 1,000. 13 churches with an attendance over 3,000. With our largest church being Manila, uh, 4,500 disciples at the time. And the largest church in the movement at that time, in just 18 years, was LA with 12,000 disciples. The coin, the classic words of our brother Kip. That's not a movement of man, that is the very movement of God. But you know what happens? Satan got involved, and dream killers tried to kill the dream. We had to start all over again. And without going through all our church plantings, from 19, from 2009, when we came up with our crowd going, to today, we started with 20, less than 25 sold-out disciples in Portland, Oregon. I was one of them. And now we have over 7,000 disciples in the entire world. So you cannot kill the dream. You may kill some dreamers, but you cannot kill Jesus' dream. I just got to ask, are you a part of the dream? Yeah. Are you a part of it? Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Are you living the dream? Are you giving people the dream? In Mark chapter 3, he says this here in verse 31. It says, didn't Jesus' mother and brothers arrive? Standing outside, they sent someone in to call them. Rob was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother? My brothers, he asked. He looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And the church said, Amen. Amen. look at Jesus. 
Isn't this awesome? Jesus prioritized his spiritual family over his physical family. He prioritized. He says, my spiritual family, the kingdom, the church, is more important than my physical family. And if we are going to have Jesus' dream, we've got to have Jesus' conviction. Right? In Mark chapter 1, he gets one dreamer. He gets three more. Because he asked those guys to come follow him, and they followed him at once. Well, if you look at John chapter 4, let's find out if he actually gave them the dream. What's the fruit of someone actually having the dream? How do we know if someone has it? Not how, not how do we know if they believe in it. How do we know if they understand it? But how do we know if they've actually been past the dream? John chapter 4 says the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples. Notice it says Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples. Yeah. Doesn't say he's, it's, check it out. It says the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, yeah. but his disciples. Yeah. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Wow. They've got the dream. Yeah. How do we know they got the dream? They're baptizing people. How many sold-out disciples are in the house? Hands in the air. Okay. Here's the deal. You need to baptize them. You need to baptize them. If you have not baptized and you are not trying to baptize, it's because you just don't have the dream. You have the knowledge, but you don't have the dream. You may not believe you can baptize someone. You can baptize someone. You may not believe you're called. You are called. You may not believe you're chosen. You may think you need eloquent words. You don't need eloquent words. All you need is faith in the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the obedience to go out there and shape the nation. And say, come follow me. I want to make you a Christian again. That's all you need. That's all you need. Check this out. Look at Luke chapter 10. You guys still with me here? You got to be driven by the dream. Luke chapter 10. starts with one. He gets three. Later on in that verse in Mark, he gets 12. And now we get to Luke chapter 10. And the Bible says this here in verse one. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. You know, it's good to send them out two by two. You know how that is, right? Because yeah. then you can't chicken out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need, you need somebody else there with you. And you yeah. do feel more, you feel more confident. Yeah. Right? And there's always a leader. You know something? Oh, I'm not a leader. You know what they say? You know what science has discovered? Science has discovered if you take 10 people that think they're not leaders and put them in a room, somebody's going to emerge the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to start leading. Yeah. You're a leader. Yeah. Everyone in this room is a leader. Yeah. Let me prove it to you in 30 seconds. If you have the ability to produce offspring, that means you're a mother and you're a father. God has given you the physical ability to be a leader. Everybody's a leader. Yeah. Everybody's a leader. We need to drive out this mental barrier that we have leaders. No, no. If you are following Jesus' dream, you are a leader. You need to act like a leader. Think like a leader. Be a leader. You may not believe that. We can talk to you about it afterwards if you're if you're visiting for the very first time. But Jesus is passing this dream on. He started with one. Then he gets three. Then he gets to 12. And, then he, you know, sometimes you go, well, I look at the 12 and you go, why did he choose Judas Iscariot? Don't worry about that. You just got to ask why he chose you. Yeah. <laughs> Then we get to Luke chapter 10. And he's got to 72 now. It says he told them the harvest is plentiful, but what? The workers are few. 
And it says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So he says, guys, come to me. He's got six sets of two, which is 12. 12 in each group, which makes 72, right? Okay, so he starts with one, then he gets three, then he gets, then he gets 12, and now he's got these 72 that have the dream. And he tells them that the harvest is plentiful. People want to become Christians. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about being in that, that oh, are people over? People are over. He says, yeah. but the workers are few. Yeah. He says, you just got to ask the Lord of the harvest. Yeah. And so they, they hear the message, wow, we just got to ask the Lord of the harvest. So Jesus goes away, and he comes back, and he goes, guys, I got some awesome news. <laughs> I got cranking news for you. Your prayers have been answered. And you can imagine the 72 just kind of there, you know. I even like to think about maybe how, how they were chosen. You know, you think they said Peter was a big man, kind of like Michael Hart or something like that. You know? And so when he was chosen, he probably came on up there like this. You know? And then the Bible says they chose James and John, sons of, sons of thunder, right? Fiery guys. So I could hear them getting chosen by Jesus and go, yeah, I knew we'd make it right there. Slap each other high five, of course. You know, they, they had the guy that were guilty that they were even called. The Matthew tax collector stealing money from everybody. He just came right there. And I'm one of the ones with the dream right there. You may feel like that today. You know, you had all these people. You had Judas Iscariot, the hypocrite, right on up there. You just totally hypocrisy. Right? I should not have the dream. You may feel like that. Well, I should not be calling myself a Christian. What am I doing on the train telling people about Jesus Christ? Do you know what I used to do here in this city? You know, you could feel, don't worry about that. Don't focus on yourself, focus on God. Yeah. And so he's got 72 now. That probably feel that way. And, and, and he tells them, don't worry. Just go out there. Share your faith. People will be saved. Yeah. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Mm-hmm. And so they pray. And Jesus says, guys, I got the answer to your prayers. And they're looking at him. On his ass and, <laughs> and Jesus just says, go. Lord, 
Once you are baptized as a sold out disciple, you're not going to be saved. You are saved. Yeah. You are saved. Yeah. Right now, you're saved. Yeah. If you had faith, repented, and been baptized as a disciple. Yeah. I just want you to say it. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. saved right now. I am saved right now. You are saved right now. Doesn't that feel good? Yes. Yes. It's awesome to know that if, if, if today was your last day, you would be with your father in heaven. Yes. You'd be with your father in heaven. And so he says, "Hey, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Continue to be driven by the dream." After three years, we go to Matthew chapter 28, and we find out what happens. He's training them to give the dream to people. He's training them to inspire others to have the dream. Yeah. And then in Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says in verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to my parents. No. <laughs> All the, yeah, people live that way. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to the universities that I go to. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to my culture. No, he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means everybody who's in opposition to this scripture is in rebellion to God. I mean, we got to really read the Bible for what it says. He doesn't say some authority. He says all authority. He says, if, if, if David Cameron is not making disciples, <laughs> he's, he's in sin. Yeah. He is taking authority that I've not given. He says, if Theresa May is not making disciples, she's in sin. I love her, but she's not, she's not, she's, she's taking, she's oh, got to make disciples. Mm -hmm. Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth, that means you God. <laughs> heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and find disciples. No, no. no. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. You know why we don't want to go make disciples? It's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard work overcoming our emotional idolatry and wanting the acceptance from people. We want everybody to be so sweet and nice and come just happily. Like, like, you know, like Frankie into the kingdom of God. Not everybody. You get a Frankie every once in every six or seven years. Right? I mean, maybe you get it. Maybe she can get another Frankie. Probably. I can. I mean, she's awesome. I mean, it was awesome. I was just praying. And I, I came along and I was praying uh, this week. And I said, whoa, my goodness. It's Frankie. Oh. I go, how are you, Frankie? You were awesome. So we had a little prayer and we talked right there and she kind of skipped on along with the dream right there. Okay. That was awesome. I said, okay, we gotta encourage each other on the dream. We gotta get to encourage each other. And he's with all authority. We gotta keep making disciples. See, sometimes you gotta make disciples, disciples. You may need to be remade into a disciple. As a disciple. You may be doubting the dream. It says right here, some worship, but some doubted. You read earlier, some doubted. You may be doubting. Doubt is a decision. Yeah. Unbelief is something that you can get fulfilled through the scriptures. Yeah. But if you're doubting, you're deciding to doubt. Yeah. You're deciding because the Bible has all of the answers that you need for a life of faith and godliness in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And then he says, therefore, we're going to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey some of the things that I've commanded you. <laughs> and then I'll be with you always at the end of the age. No, he says, teaching them to obey everything I have. Commanded you. Let's find out if they, they obeyed. Look at Acts chapter 1. 
Acts chapter 1. Let's see if the apostles were driven by the dream. Jesus was driven by the dream. He could have been depressed. Wow, only a, only a few people have my dream by the end of my life. But he knew that his dream would change the world. He trusted God. It says in Acts chapter 1, in verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus converted all of his brothers? But isn't it awesome to know that he didn't convert them by submitting to what they thought about him? Yeah. He converted them by saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, um, I'm more committed to my church than our family. I know that hurts you, but I trust that someday you'll become disciples. Yeah. And what happened? They became disciples. If that's how Jesus converted his family, how much more so should we? Yeah. How much more so should we? Yeah. I love Joseph. Joseph, Joseph was hard line when he said his wife. Yeah. He was hard lot. He told his sister, she, you, I remember, Rachel, you are not right with God. And I know we think that you're not. And she's a sold out disciple now. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because Joseph put the family of God, the kingdom, the church. I remember Kiara and Dylan, they didn't want to move to London at all. You know, I remember going to Curacao. I mean, you got to understand, Curacao is like paradise. It's like heaven. Yeah. Right? I mean, if there's, a, if there's a place on the face of the earth that is heaven, it's Curacao. And you have teal birds that are like dancing along. And you can see the water for like a hundred miles. You see the fish swimming through the waters, the mangoes and everything. And then you got the green. You got the music going. You're just like, this is heaven. This is amazing. And I saw Michael. He was just like, he had these sandals on. Back. He is super comfortable right there. And Maria had a little, you know, had her hair back and was sitting on her nice sofa with artwork and eating fresh fruit. And just, oh wow, these guys are in heaven. And then you had Dylan and Kiara. Dylan was, he was mad. He was a little guy. He was mad. He was <laughs> oh, he's so cute. Look at him. Look at himself. I gave him a hug. And he was on the football team in Carroll. She was telling him, I don't want to move to London. You know, so, and I said, Mike, you, got, you, gotta come, you guys got to bring, you got to show them the kingdom of God. Yeah. got to show them the kingdom of God. And I didn't want to move it. You realize the heart sold their house for the king? Yeah. What a dream. Amen. What a dream. They came. And Kiara was a sold out disciple. Lord and Christ? 
A lot of people want Jesus as the Christ. That means the Savior. But they don't want him as their Lord. That means controller. They don't even say, I feel like your church is controlling you. No, it's not the church. It's Jesus wants control. Jesus wants total control of your life. Does he have it? Does he have it? Does he have total control of your emotions? Does he have total control of your decisions? Does he have total control of your finances? I mean, did you give the extra 25 pounds? Did you say, you know what? I got more money now. I can give another 50 pounds. Or did you go, wow, where's the money going now? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? I want to see the detail. Maybe this is a little bit too much. Just push and push and make a little bit too much. Can you imagine being in Moses' ministry? And Moses going, hey, guys. Hey, get the kids. Get the wagon. Get the mouth. Pharaoh's coming after us. Okay, quit. I'm going to stop being late. Get over it. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Here's a, stop arguing, guys. Here's the plan. See that ocean? That's where we're going. And God's going to sort it out. Just stop debating with me about it. We, we, when we get down to the end, I don't know, maybe the water's going to park. I have no idea. But God said, go this direction, and the promised land's over there. We're going to get there. Just come with me. Okay, you guys. Oh, there's Pharaoh. Oh, my goodness. And then the water parks. And they go all the way through on the dry land. And then when Pharaoh comes, he gets killed. You know why? Not because he couldn't cross through, because what they were doing wasn't by faith. You can't ride on someone else's faith. You gotta have your own faith. You have your own faith. You riding on Michelle and I? You can for a while. I've got enough faith for some of you. It's gonna have time. You're gonna have to have enough faith to stop looking at pornography. You're gonna have to have enough faith to actually be a man of God. You're going to have to stop writing on my faith. You're going to have to stop writing on Michelle's faith. You're going to have to have enough faith to stand up. You're going to have to have enough faith, your own faith. Are, are you with me here? But they, 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 they could have said, oh, you're pushing us too much. They weren't saying that when they were in the land of milk and honey. Everything was great, though. Like, awesome, Thanks, Moses. You're awesome. But you know what happened? 40 days after that, they got mad again. Started grumbling and complaining. He had a disciple, and then things moved on. Yeah. See, don't ever think that we are being really pushed too much in the 21st century living in London, England, sitting, watching the water in yeah. the glass house. Oh, my yeah. gosh, 25 pounds extra to put people on full time. Do you have the dream? Yeah. It's going to cost yeah. everything for the dream. Come on. It's going to cost everything. Be Lord in Christ. Check it out, verse 36. Or 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, promises for you and your children, all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he was a preacher. Says many other words. <laughs> right? Sometimes a preacher has many other words. Okay? With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Notice the hard line, but also the begging. Okay, he was, he was, he, he had the, uh, he was army and family. It says he pleaded with him, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message, meaning some people don't accept Jesus' dream. It says those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, how many people have the dream now? 3,000, right? Thank you. How many have the dream? 3,120 have the dream. That's pretty awesome. Turn, turn the page, chapter 4. Chapter 4. Can you imagine this one? Look at this. In verse 4. The Bible says, Many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to be about 5,000. Now, I'm assuming that most of these guys probably had wives and kids. Yeah. It's probably about an 
miracle day. Right? Just all 5,000 have wives, you know, that's 10,000. We don't know, the Bible's silent right here. That's pretty awesome. Yes, it is. But we need a time. The Holy Spirit says 5,000 men. Yeah. Why? Because this is 5,000 preachers. 5,000 churches. Right here. 5,000 guys with a dream that are willing to stand by themselves, like Jesus did, with the dream in their heart. That's what it's going to take. There will be a day when you will be by yourself. And God will be, is this really your dream? Yeah. Are you really willing to? I remember going to Amsterdam and calling Renee and Anita and all of them to come on over and be with us here. And, uh, you know, I remember Renee. Renee was going to, I was supposed to meet up with Renee a little bit later to talk about what we're doing. Renee met us at the airport. We went to the coffee shop. We talked about everything from breakfast at 9 o'clock. We had lunch and dinner in the same place. <laughs> Renee, what about this? What about this? What about this? What? And then he took me to Anita. Anita made me nervous. <laughs> she was all humble. She was super humble. Like, hey, how are you, bro? Come on in. Have a seat. Would you like some tea? I was like, sure. Okay. I have some questions for you about this. Are you this? Can you show me scriptures on what you're doing? I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> really sweet and soft. I was like, oh, this is. I looked at Michael Hart, he looked down on me. Oh, I was like, call Michelle. I can't call Michelle. I was kidding. Oh, he's another side of the world. Okay, it's just me. God sent me to Europe to begin a disciple movement. I had the dream. And we had great talks. From an aunt and needed our witness here. And we're going back to the mission team for a rematch. You know, in sports, when you see a team is really good, 
and they got all the players, mm-hmm. and everything's going well for them, mm-hmm. and, they, and they're winning games, and then all of a sudden you see what they call these these these, these players that get on the bandwagon, yeah. right? They weren't there when things weren't so good, but when things start to go well, everybody, you know, if Manchester United became the number one team, all people would start, come out of the woodworks all of a sudden. Yeah, I've always been a Manchester United. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Man City for a while there, things weren't going well for them. You know, I think they're in the right now watching this. They're going, okay, who was doing awesome? But when it really starts increasing rapidly, can you imagine if we had 10 priests to come obedient? Two, just two. Two church leaders to come obedient to the faith. We got to make the disciples start increasing rapidly, and then we'll get preachers. And preachers bring with them a whole congregation, a whole group of people that can become obedient to the faith. Bring it in for a close here. Let's see if the gospel continues to spread. Well, it does, because the Bible says in chapter 11, scripture that we know very well, we teach it all the time. It says in verse 19, it says, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus telling the message only to Jews. It says, some, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. The Bible says in verse 25, it says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and he found him and he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Wow. This is 13 years after the church began and about 16 years after Jesus began his ministry. Nobody was called a Christian for 16 years of Jesus' ministry. So if you think you're a Christian but you're not a disciple, it's because you're not a disciple, meaning you're not a Christian. Right. Yeah. The first time it was used was right here. And historians say the church in Antioch, which is the Gentile capital at this particular time. Now you see the, the dream spreading all the way to the Gentile capital. 25 to 30,000 people is how many people had the dream. In 13 years, 25 to 30,000 people had the dream. Without Facebook, without Instagram, without cars, without the tube. I mean, that's a long, hot day on a camel headed to a Bible sense. That's a challenge for the sisters right there. Nails broken, struggling, hair messed up. I mean, you can't be makeup. You gotta get this girl in the waters of baptism. You get off that camel right there. I mean, it didn't smell so, so pleasant. I mean. This is what they went through. We are so wimpy, aren't we? We are so wimpy. We get pressured to, how many people come to church? Oh my goodness, boy. We, we get a bad attitude. We get asked, how come somebody's not with you? We get a bad attitude. We, we struggle. I mean, if I told you today, leaders meeting is we're going to go out, we're going to share with 100 people. Oh, no. Are you on, bro? We got one <laughs> With the rest of the seats scratching heads, oh, you know, looking at me, are we doing? Can we really do this? <laughs> we gotta start dreaming, guys. Yeah. We really gotta have the, the disciples in, in, in London start increasing rapidly. Yes. What happens? They continue to do it, and then by the book of Colossians, chapter one, this is basically about thirty years. Let's say, let's say thirty-three years. 33 years after Jesus gave the dream, what happened? It says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7, verse 6, we pick it up there, it says, 
All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it's been growing since the day you heard it and understood it by all its grace and truth. Mm -hmm. They evangelized the world one generation. Jesus was driven by the dream. The apostles were driven by the dream. The question today is, are you driven by the dream? Are you driven by the law? Remember, the law is a temporary servant. The law must die. All those driven by the law will perish. You won't be here. But if you're driven by Jesus, Joshua is the only one that can get you to the promised land. Jesus is the only one. The dream is the only thing that can get you to heaven. To live Jesus' dream. And I just got to ask, are you driven by the dream? I've got dreams for every single person. I want Zach to start a clothing line. A Christian clothing line. I'm top of making disciples. I want Josie to stop thinking small of herself and produce the first album that actually starts putting in money in the church. up and not be an incredible song leader, but to be a preacher, yeah. an Englishman with the yeah. gospel yeah. deep in his heart, yeah. and passion that crucifies yeah. every excuse, every excuse. Yeah. I want my wife to continue saying love. Keep getting more beautiful, stay in love with me, we're good to go. <laughs> I have a dream for Dawn to be on the Germany mission. God's work I have a dream for Joseph. For Joseph to raise up and become a young preacher. She didn't know it while she was praying, or maybe arguably maybe a little bit of struggling. But I have a dream for Frankie to become a women's ministry leader.
hugging his old friends. <laughs> and we'll look at each other with tears in our eyes as we're old. As we're watching our children. Jesus is a dream. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the moment I forget, let us not forget the dream. There's a place where I go that no one else knows. Where mysteries abound and excitement grows. A place out of reach of any man's hand. Safely secluded in a far heavenly land. Beyond the grasp of those who may plunder. The wealth of its power and its life-changing wonder. I go along to my secret godly place. Never leaving a single trace. For someone to follow and discover my space. Unless they're keeping God's quick pace. Where I keep my secrets, my fears, my regrets. Away from the world and all of its threats. It's my dream and my dream alone. The only place where I really truly found home. I treasure the moments spent in this realm. Where anything is possible with God. And he is at the helm. This place I describe is all that it seems. It's a magical place. It's to fulfill God's dream. God bless you. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.